after hours to the belated box office podcast we just destroyed annihilated crushed a review of the dead poet society uh it was great uh the best review of the dead poet society i've ever heard and uh tish is still here uh hanging out we figured we'd talk about uh i don't know whatever we want to talk about it's the after hours so that's how it goes um you, you you said you wanted to talk about uh uh some grievances you have with uh with some recent movies tish yes and you know to be honest i'm a lot more forgiving than my husband is about a lot of these things but we do discuss it quite frequently he and i and one of the things he keeps coming to me is that in the marvel universe oh that thing they're, they're pushing the feminism too far he says and you know the female actors coming in and the the gender swaps with the characters are becoming female and they traditionally are male and all that and a bit of research does show that that is something that has happened in the past with Stanley comics. But the other thing is, you know, it's been the way it's traditionally been for so long. They tried something different. It didn't work. So my answer to that, when I looked at him one day, I said, well, all they have to do is explain that you can't go too far in either direction. It has to be balanced. And that's how they fix what they've done wrong. Uh-huh. Did you follow that? And do you have thoughts? <laughs> uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> my grievances with the Marvel Universe have been um, mainly on a technical level um, lately. Not all of them. Uh, special effects or the writing? Oh, yeah, special effects. Like, they're, Marvel movies are all ugly now. They're, like, gray and brown. Um, the enemies are usually, like, usually, like, uh, what, what movies has been recently? The Thor Love and Thunder is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, Shang-Chi, to a certain extent, even though I kind of liked Shang-Chi for the most yeah. part. Um, the Doctor Strange one, Roy was not a fan of. For the same reason. Well, the reason I'm talking about is, uh, just, just that, uh, the enemies are just gray blobs. Mm-hmm. I guess those, like titan monsters or whatever was guarding that uh guarding that temple in uh doctor strange in the multiverse of madness they were kind of grayish looking blobs although mm-hmm. they had a little bit of red or something in them uh but yeah like thor the thor movie that just came out was probably the worst of it love and thunder had like literally like if you if you put a gun to my head like as i was leaving the theater and like draw one of those shadow monsters he was fighting i'd literally just like scribble a black crayon and be like something like this like a black scribble like they had no form they had no um no no real like substance to them that like no identifying qualities it's just yeah i mean marvel's been catching shit like they're a disney-owned company like like disney tends to do for like underpainting their animators visual effects people getting on like way too much of a time crunch so they can't do their job properly like they've been cutting corners in you know making their their computer generated effects look good and it really shows yeah with that and the the writing conversations we've had i'm not up to date on the mandalorian 
but I have heard people talking about it and it's kind of a flip between the Mandalorian and Picard. The Mandalorian season three tanked is what I heard, but I've seen all of Picard and season three was for the fans. Yeah, Picard's good. I, I watched the first season of Picard, not even the full, whole first season, but I was watching it for a bit and really liking it. I watched like maybe the like four or five episodes there. And I think I just had too much on my plate. And we were like well into this podcast, which really takes my attention away from series at any point. And I'm just like going through movies. Like I'm going through all the Alien movies uh, and all the James Bond movies and stuff since, uh, you know, my, my horizons on the kind of films I've been interested in have expanded. So I don't watch a lot. I think that's the only excuse I have for not finishing uh, Picard, even though it's so good, is... Yeah, I'm just, I don't have a lot of time for a series now. But when uh, I saw Roy, that first season, it was awesome. Roy did not like the first two seasons of Picard. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Did the, th- it, the third one want him over, though? It's straight too far from canon. Ah. And they didn't take into consideration the amount of history there is with Trekkies and the fans who watch the show. That's a mistake. A lot of the times during season two, especially the argument was Picard would never do that. Picard would never do that. And I heard that over and over again, as we talked about season two, when we got to season three, at one point on one show in season three, I said, the captain is finally back, but it took, getting it back into and I know it changed direction when they changed writers but the resounding cheer from season three from all the Trekkies I hope they are listening because they did season three right they went back to more more writing that would relate to what we know of Star Trek rather than what happened in season two which i don't want to spoil on you (laughs) no well yeah i I mean who knows at this point whether i'll get around to it um i mean i've heard those complaints about picard before as far as it comes to the movies which i've like watched here and there like you know the next generation movies like first contact and or the Mm -hmm. others nemesis and that like picard is like really just a different character entirely in those films they try to make him like an action star which like captain picard really is like the furthest thing from like he's like supposedly very enlightened and everything like that and his challenges are you know when he faces philosophical dilemmas that you really see what makes the character great and then you get to those movies and he's like yeah give me that space gun i'm gonna go kill my clone from the planet mining planet of whatever rage and it's like that's not that's not the, the appeal of that character you know, and what they did with the character of Worf in season three by itself. Oh, Worf is in Picard? Season three, yeah. Oh, fantastic. I got to get on that, man. It's worthwhile seeing what they do with his character. And the very last scene is just priceless before the after the credits thing, which you need to know there is one on season three. There they usually have, is. I always just assume, you know? You know, Picard's done and the fans want legends 
I don't know if you've heard the buzz about that. But they want Star Trek Legends based on the offspring of the next generation that are the cast of on this current season three. Huh. No, I, I don't know about that. But that is an intriguing, an yes, intriguing and something. I have to give you a joke that I made because I do that sometimes. Um, and it's not going to spoil anything. But I wondered aloud, and I put this on a Facebook post in the Picard thing, and I said, you know, there was a lot of emphasis put on engage, being the catchphrase to make the ship go from Picard and you know each captain is of their own phrase and I wondered has Worf ever sat in the captain's chair and said today is a good day to fly I'm uh I'm, I'm proud of you for for making that joke for working so hard on that joke is what yes. I will say <laughs> Because they all have their own catchphrase. And I just thought that would be really, you know, and someone actually did get a kick out of it. So I said, I guess I'm a geek now. And away I went. <laughs> was there, you you weren't sure until then? Like, I've oh, got to make this Star Trek joke and put it in my, in the, in the Captain <laughs> Picard group I'm in, just to see if I might perhaps be a geek. <laughs> no judgment, no shade. I'm not going to ruin my just glass house. Joke. Testing the water, but at the same time, like, I have a broad number of shows and movies that I do watch. And something they did in Picard in season three is something they're doing right now in General Hospital, which, for someone who's watched it for most of their life, off and on. You know, the characters are still there. They're all still doing their same little switch and partner thing, whatever. But I watch it for the character families, and I have that history in my in my mind of the background of what's gone on with this. And you're gonna laugh at what they brought out because the evil Cassidines were going to pull a Thanos move and release a virus that only 20% of the world's population would survive. Ah, uh, that's uncool. So that was one thing they did. But when they were there on this, somewhere in Greenland, because that's how they worded it every time the scene so, changed. Oh, yeah, it's like the... Somewhere uh, in Greenland. <laughs> the, the text would come up. Like, yep. somewhere in... So you see that a lot in like spy movies that like somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. It's like well, this is what they're playing on. Um, the WSB is a spy group in General Hospital fandom lore story, and you know, while they were there, I don't know if you've heard of Luke and Laura Spencer, but they're the big power couple that were on general hospital in the i 80s. know nothing i know absolutely zero about general hospital so i'm just kind of letting you go i'm like let's, all right let's see how how deep is tish in this world i know nothing so <laughs> the thing is though they paid homage to the history because not only was this disease which is a current thing we're dealing with covid right now right it's a current kind of a spin on things they've also set had this really old computer making beeps and 
you know, putting up text on like a Commodore screen, you know, the green. And it was booting up the weather machine they were using in the 80s to control the world. Uh-huh. And one, the one character that was there knew the password to stop it. So, but in the meantime, you know. So it was, hold on. So, so this, so the <laughs> computer system from, from general hospital episodes or an episode in the 80s made an appearance? Yes, it did. Oh, well, that's fantastic. <laughs> I, lo I love stupid the stuff. The like machine that. came back as a new threat, and it's May, and they showed snow in Port Charles before they turned it off. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that, that's just, great. It was just comical that the fact that they they know that's what their current fans want is the nostalgia. Oh yeah, they want to see the veteran actors on the show. Or when you go see that see... Super Mario Brothers movie. It makes you feel, and you're like, ah, there's a bunch of parents and kids in this movie. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just a childless person trying to sit who who likes Mario, and I want to see this movie. And then it starts off with like the rap theme song from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show from like 1991 or whatever, and you're like, yeah, that's the stuff. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, I've heard good reviews about that show, that movie. It's pretty good. I didn't expect to like it. I, I went in there, I'm like, I'm hoping to like it. Going in with an open mind, but let's be real. This isn't going to be good. Then when I watched it, I'm like, it's not perfect, but like, yeah, that was pretty good. Like, that scratched the itch. That was everything you want. Yeah. You know, they've brought in, I don't know if it's sweeps time in the soaps or whatever, but they brought in a couple of real hard hitters from... People still do, they, they still do sweeps? Oh, yeah. I think it is, right? May and November is sweeps, if I'm not mistaken. February, too. February? Yeah, there's February sweeps. Huh. Jeez, that's not a, that's a term I haven't heard from for a long time. That's, like, gone out, <laughs> gone out the window for the most part with streaming. But, yeah, sweeps. With special guest Eric Estrada. <laughs> Every show <laughs> back in the day, like... And, you know, another one that I liked was a reboot. I've been enjoying the new Fantasy Island. I haven't watched the new or the old Fantasy Island. The old one was definitely probably not meant for children. Some messed up things happened on Fantasy Island back in the day. And they're... They're playing on that a bit, but the whole moral of the story is be careful what you wish for. Oh, I see, I see. Sort and of a no monkey's real, paw situation. Yeah, no real damage actually happens because it's all a fantasy on Fantasy Island. Word. I say word now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been interesting to watch the different things, and I haven't gone into Magnum P.I. It's not a show that I've wanted to check out i just don't have time for all the shows on tv oh well who yeah who does <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to meet the person that's watching everything these days like you're not you're not a well person <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't know what you need there's some sort of meds that you need or meds you need to stop taking uh so one of the two is there any complaints you have about right now with the writing in the industry because there is a strike yeah, well, I was gonna say going to... what writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my husband would probably be 
wholeheartedly behind you on that one. No, I just say what writing is in like, well, they're on strike, so we're uh, not going to yeah. see we're not going to see any writing from them for a bit. But that's what he was saying before they were on strike. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, I can get you know, it. I mean, yeah, when it comes to, like, there, there's definitely, uh, oh, I don't know what the the word is for it there, but, uh, yeah, hopefully the the writer strike resolves soon and resolves so that writers are paid fairly, because I was looking into a little bit of this. I, I didn't know if we wanted to do, like, the writer strike as a theme, and I don't think I'd have this theme to comment on it for the full amount of an episode but uh yeah it seems like they're getting a raw deal like like it's tough for writers out there and streaming has made it worse um but yeah there's not much a lot of writing like when uh when roy says like oh what writing and stuff it's like maybe it's not even because they're like hiring bad writers or they're you know like the the getting the writers to do subpar work so much is like i guess a lot of this thing with writers rooms is like they come in they do like drafts they're like all right all you writers get in here here's some stale donuts and some bad coffee get to like mapping out like a storyline for this season of this whatever show on netflix that's probably going to be canceled in two months and then they but have they them do a couple weeks of work like right and then they like kick them out like it yeah. used to be if you're a right if the writer's room is like omnipresent during filming all this stuff and now they're just like they're like renting writers to be like all right get in here like give me a first draft and then now frig off. Like, we'll get, get like, a script supervisor to just take it yeah. as it comes. They're not writing the conclusion of what they start writing. Well, and yeah, I mean, there's... Disconnection. They're just doing it in, like... Puzzle. Yeah, exactly. They're just doing it, like, broad strokes. And, like, you know, the film industry and probably the TV industry, too, has a history of, uh, you know, like, a, it, scripts will change hands a lot uh you know there will be multiple writers work on a on a movie say and only a couple of them get credited that maybe didn't do that much but this seems like a whole different animal where they're just kind of like nobody's writing it they're literally just getting the writers to come in for an afternoon give their two cents yeah. okay we'll give you a credit and like meager pay and they just bounce and it's kind of done without the anybody's oversight uh who's whose official capacity is a writer and it kind of shows yeah it's definitely relevant if you're a fan of you know what they write which is shows and movies and talk shows and all the different stuff that we watch when it comes to that yes i did a bit of research too and they were talking about mini writing rooms which is what you're referring to where they a smaller amount of time, a smaller amount of writers, and then not do the complete job. Yeah. But the other thing was that they're being hired for, like, gigs, and that's what a freelancer does. I freelance, and if I was writing for a TV show, you're right, I'd want the time, I'd want the wages, and I'd want the ability to see it from start to finish. Yeah, the, the ability to follow through, because you're putting your name on it, so you want to you know, obviously it's collaborative. The writers don't have total say over everything. Mm -hmm. But, like, yeah, you'd want to be there to have the input to make sure that you can stand behind the job that you're doing. That and just feel like your work is validated. Because if your work is being torn to shreds at the bottom of the ninth... Yeah. Then... Or, what... like, the top of the second onward, <laughs> which it seems <laughs> to be... The... 
what's the reason you're going to put your whole effort into making something that is good if it's just going to be rewritten by someone who doesn't have the skill and the talent and another thing i saw was they're looking for higher wages but at the same time it is reliable to think there would be a progression there if i was going to start writing tv shows i wouldn't expect to be a top paid writer on the tv show at the same time i would think that it would grow with me my experience and the wage you know like you yeah. would expect a job to do but if you're taking writers and you're offering them gigs instead of real jobs what investment do they have in it really yeah definitely so we'd like to see it come to a see come to a uh, resolution that's uh, that works for the writers and you know selfishly for our for us like I get to see yes, some new episodes of Saturday Night Live again instead know, of all the reruns also, they've been putting on. We also don't want to have to resort to something like Conan O'Brien spinning his wedding ring on a desk to see how long it would go for because that's what happened in 2007. That's what happened last time. Honestly, I'd watch Conan do anything, though. <laughs> I'm team Coco for life. Well, they called him a goat at the same time, so yeah. Awesome. Can we, I guess, can we talk about one thing that's uh, maybe putting a positive spin on, uh, you know, getting back to uh, not, not only, you know, good writing and, and good visuals, uh, you know, and something that really think I think like knocked it out of the park is uh, there, there's a lot of, there, there's a lot of, um, not controversy, that's the wrong word, but there's a lot of divided opinion on this, but I saw Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I saw it on opening night, which I don't often do, but I was happy to go there, and uh, that was cool. That was a that was a blast, and I'm, I'm really glad I liked it. I don't think it's as, as exciting as the others, but it's, I mean, maybe it's just we're starved for, like, Marvel movies that can be considered a, a, a movie, like the last yeah. one I saw that before that was Ant-Man Quantumania and that was a big stinker. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy, I think it all comes down to like James Gunn cuz his name carries so much weight that like yeah. he's the only director at this point that I think Marvel Studios is letting him do anything. Right? It's like he he's like I want it to look like this a certain way and I want to be you know mainly in charge of the the script and like I want to be able to take these chances and give this movie a, uh, you know, an identity of its own. Like any other directors are like, nope, you just do, you know, Kevin Feige's taking care of all that. Or like, you know, this movie's written and directed by Marvel Studios, basically. Um, but he's the only one where they're like, yeah, man, whatever you say. <laughs> like, we know that you're going to make money if we, if we give you the empowerment to make the right decisions. And along those lines, I'm a fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy, so I'm glad to hear it's good. But another character in the Marvel Universe that I really want to see come out on top is Deadpool in the next movie. Yeah, kind of like his first outing in the Marvel Universe as we know it. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even want to speculate on what that's going to be like because I don't know. But I like the first two Deadpool movies. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, like... Marvel knows. I hope Marvel knows they can't get away with like narrowing it down to like PG thirteen. Like, I'm pretty sure Ryan Reynolds won't allow it. 
well and he's like any other actor i'd be like good luck but like his name carries a lot of weight too so uh yeah, yeah. and he has been like at least the marketing for the movies has been that he's like passionate about the character of deadpool and his involvement in the movies so yeah that's yeah. that's what i think i have high hopes for yeah me too i really think we'll see well it would be it would be a real flip on things if it wasn't what we expect it to be because it's been disneyfied can they really disneyfy deadpool no, it's not going to work if you do. And it's like, that does give them a limited ability to, like, interact with other um, other characters in other movies and everything. But it's like, I don't know. The comics have been doing it forever, right? Like, most Marvel comics are, like, appropriate for kids. Or if they'd have a rating, it's like 12 and up rather than, like, 18 and up. But they still have room for Deadpool to do his thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's, there's room for him. I'm, I'm into it be cool to see yeah so, yeah and i mean you know you know how you take unexpected skills or things that you enjoy and you actually turn them into something that can be useful in your everyday life i don't I can't say i relate but go on <laughs> i'm going back to general hospital for a moment oh no feel be- free <laughs> because i follow it and i can keep everything going and sometimes predict what's going to happen i've taken that skill as a fan but i've taken it into my writing career and it's allowed me to become a developmental editor because i can look at a book and see okay there are plot holes here and if you change that it's going to tie it up in a nice bow and have a nice ending you know i can kind of move things around to make it work better and i've done that in a couple of editing jobs i've done for other authors and i'm really starting to feel like it's something that's paying off which was completely unexpected that's cool that'd be a cool perspective to kind of bring to it to be you know working closely with other writers and and uh you know lending your lending your skills to you know helping helping to improve and make more marketable like other writers projects and stuff like i could see the appeal of that and if nothing else you get to boss other people around and be like well your your work's not good enough and i think it should be like this instead i did two episodes of a podcast so i know what i'm talking about (laughs) (laughs) it's a delicate position at times too because maintaining the voice of the author or the narrator of the story and enhancing what's already there are two skills that I don't know a lot of people have without being harsh or critical and I try not to do that so when I make suggestions it's and maybe that's from my time at the coffee house writers but we try to keep it above board instead of you know I do that with my wine reviews and my coffee reviews too. You know, I keep them above board. Above if it's the belt. not something I enjoy, I explain why and say, if you enjoy that, you would like this wine or coffee. You know, if you enjoy, you know, stale, bitter wine without uh, without any of an appealing flavor profile, then you'll love this 
garbage. I'm going to throw them in the trash right now. Get out of here. Well, I mean, I did one on Friday night. Yeah, everybody was watching the Maple Leafs, and I was doing a wine review because I'm not a Maple Leafs fan. And <laughs> it was a zero sugar wine with hints of strawberries and raspberries and peppers. Black and white pepper. And I actually did find most of it, and I only smelled the tobacco. I didn't actually taste it. So all of it was there. I was able to find it all. Neat. And then I said, this is the kind of wine that you have just a glass of. I don't think it's going to go into the spaghetti sauce. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know. But, I mean, generally I try to keep things above board. Because nobody wants to end up with negative criticism on something they're actually learning how to do or serious about doing. There's got to be a way to go about it without saying you have to be a doctor. You can't be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> I think we got our after hours episode. 